Want to create a podcast that sounds amazing without spending a ton of money on editing? Or maybe you're ready to launch your podcast, but you feel intimidated by the technical aspects of the process. I totally get it. And guess what? I have good news for you. The DIY Podcaster course has got you covered. DIY Podcaster is designed to help you become a podcasting pro without breaking the bank. With step-by-step guidance from me, your best friend in beauty, you'll learn how to record and edit high-quality podcast episodes that sound professional and top-tier all on your own. And the best part? You don't need any previous tech experience to succeed in this course. With seven modules plus bonus material, you'll have everything you need to get your first episode recorded and edited in just one week. So why wait? Enroll in DIY Podcaster today and start creating the podcast of your dreams. The biggest challenge is to find a, uh, a customer for your product. As an indie brand, you know, like I am not in a big shop in a big department store. So you have to constantly feed traffic to your website because when I launched, you know, we were not going to be sold in department stores. We were not going to be, you know, we were just opening up our, our website. And 10 years ago, having just a .com, I used to get the cold shoulder and sort of like, you know, the, the weird eye when I was interviewed by, um, by, ma- by magazine uh, journalists, you know, they would say also, where is Del Cosmetics going to be sold? And I would say DelCosmetics.com and you could see like their face kind of like, you know, giving the culture that's like, oh, good luck with that, you know? And now it's become a standard being able to sell online. Welcome to the Friends in Beauty podcast, a safe space for ambitious beauty industry creatives to have real talk, get real answers and practical tools to grow their businesses. My name is Aquia Robinson, and I'm a makeup artist, beauty educator, and the creator of Friends in Beauty. I created Friends in Beauty to support like-minded creatives, just like you, on their quest to connect, network, and build genuine relationships within the beauty community. Join me every week as me and my special guests reveal the keys to success and longevity in the beauty industry, and most importantly, have fun while doing it. You ready? Hey, what's up? It's your best friend in beauty, Aquia Robinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Friends in Beauty podcast. I am so happy to have you here and I hope you're listening to this episode in high spirits and in good health. Now on this episode of the Friends in Beauty podcast, I welcome celebrity makeup artist Sebastian Tardif to the Friends in Beauty guest chair. Sebastian's work has taken him to New York, London, Los Angeles, Hong Kong, Tokyo, and beyond. For more than 25 years, he has led innovation for many global luxury brands and has beautified celebrities including Naomi Campbell, Nelly Furtado, Jane Fonda, Olivia Palermo, and Glenn Close, to name a few. He has led makeup direction for more than 100 fashion week shows in New York and internationally, and his signature illuminated makeup has appeared in Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, Elle magazines, and more. He is the creator of Veil Cosmetics, renowned for its textural superiority and a cult favorite amongst beauty experts and professionals. I had the best conversation with Sebastian and I absolutely loved his energy. It's always exciting to get another makeup artist on the show because we can really dive deep into some makeup chat and that's exactly what we did. 
In this interview, Sebastian shares some career highlights from his 25 plus years in the industry, the inspiration behind creating Veil Cosmetics, how he's able to determine which products to launch next, the biggest challenge that he faces with having an indie beauty brand, his opinion on the rise of celebrity beauty brands, his key to the no makeup makeup look, tips for male beauty makeup, his keys to longevity and success in the beauty industry, and so much more. This was such an open and honest conversation, and I really appreciate Sebastian so much for sharing so openly with us. Let's go ahead and jump into this chat, and if you prefer to watch our gorgeous faces and see some of the products from Veil Cosmetics, then tune in on YouTube. Enjoy. Welcome to the Friends and Beauty Podcast, Sebastian. Thank you so much, Aquia. You are quite welcome. I'm just so excited to talk to you today because, of course, makeup artists to makeup artists, I feel like we can have a really cool conversation, and I'm really excited to learn more about Veil Cosmetics. So we'll go ahead and, you know, jump into it. We're going to start off with some icebreakers first, just to get us warmed up. The Friends of Beauty can get to know you outside of makeup. Yes, yes, sounds good. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to be here with you. You're welcome. So first one, just give us three random facts about you. Three random facts about me. I'm a runner. Uh, I have, um, I, I can be impatient sometimes, okay. and but it's all out of passion. So I'm a very passionate person as well. Okay, okay. Do you have any pet peeves? Um, pet peeves? Uh, laziness. And uh, I don't really enjoy when people don't take notes and don't you know, when you're having a meetings or you're talking about uh, things that are really important and people don't take notes and then you talk to them the week later and it, we talked all about that, Aquia, you know, why don't you remember? Didn't you take notes? <laughs> That's a big pet peeve of mine. <laughs> yeah, I can see that like for me, not like the notes things, but I don't like repeating myself too much. Like if you didn't get something like the first time or the second time, fine. But if I have to tell you like four or more times, then like that's a pet peeve of mine. Like you weren't paying attention. Like what's up? Exactly. Take me seriously or, you know, pay attention. Exactly. (laughs) I have these things called pod decks and they have really weird, sometimes crazy, interesting questions. This is a would you rather and a what the heck? Which one would you like? Uh, What the heck? What the heck? (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I say what the heck that's everybody's favorite what the heck let's see okay this is interesting oh interesting what the heck what is the weirdest thing you have ever seen in someone else's home <laughs> um, well it was not me personally that saw it but uh, a friend of mine had a neighbor in the Hudson Valley and she could peek through like the, you know their windows were almost like face to face like two uh-huh. houses next to each other and the person had a bunch of like mannequins in one room, all sorts of mannequins, you know, like you would see in old fairs yeah. where you would have like the haunted house or like things like this. I mean, how creepy is that? <laughs> what? Like mind your business. That's what you get for peeking over here. <laughs> that is or entering or entering, <laughs> breaking and entering. Could you imagine somebody breaking in there and just be a startled? Like think there's a whole bunch of people standing around. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what else this house had uh, hidden. I don't want to know. They probably like cleaned out somebody's inventory or something from a, I don't know. Just there sure is a story behind it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. 
Uh-huh. What do people always tell you that you're good at aside from makeup, of course? Oh, gosh. I mean, those are really interesting questions because, you know, I'm not used to, I, I'm used to talking about business and talking about the beauty industry. But when it comes to like putting the mirror back to myself and talking about myself like this, like it's quite, um, uh, I don't know, it's quite something. <laughs> what else am I going to, oh, my, my cooking is apparently very good. Okay. What's your like go-to dish or like a dish that people just always rave about? Uh, my volovant, which I learned the recipe from my mother, and uh, it's something that uh, have you ever had volovant? It's I like haven't. those puff pastries with like a, a beautiful bechamel, and you put in there like whether you want to make a ma- mushroom and chicken, or it could be like green peas and chicken. But it's a very like French dish that uh, is very hearty, great in the winter, and everybody cleans out their plate whenever I make this. So uh, it's uh, it's a good sign usually. <laughs> okay, Sebastian got people licking their plates over there. I, I love it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think our, our mothers always wanted, I mean, I, I'm not sure about yours, but my mom always fed us, you know, like if you didn't eat enough, it was a sign of, you know, like, why, why you don't, like it's, it's the way of showing love. So yeah. I kind of like inherited that. And I love to cook for people. And, you know, when people are enjoying what you cook, I think that it's, I don't think the complete circle, so to speak, you know. Yeah, a lot of cultures, that's how they show love and appreciation and like community, like around food. It's true. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a, a readable pleasure every day. I love that. Okay. When is the last time that you did something for the first time? The last time I did something for the first time. You've done a lot. I mean, I think there's always a little bit of a first time every day, but um, I got to say two weeks ago, I had to put together, I didn't have to, I put together a celebration of life for my dear departed uh, brand, best friend, and business partner, Parker Steeny, who okay. was the third of Veil Cosmetics. And I put together a celebration of life, which I had never done before. You know, we've all attended memorials or funerals, but a, a celebration of life is a modern version of um, paying tribute and respect to someone that's passed. And I put that together and that happened two weeks ago. And that was a very tremendous moment very emotional and full circle again, a first circle of life. And yeah, it's, it was a first, I hope I don't have it. I don't have to do this too often because it's heartbreaking to Mm -hmm. lose someone that you love so dearly. And Mm -hmm. I miss every day in business as well as in uh, my personal life, but yeah, putting together a celebration of life. I, uh, I did that. (laughs) Yeah. You could check that off your list. You've done it. You could give somebody advice on how to do it, how to handle it emotionally. I'm so sorry to hear about your, um, your friend passing. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I I hope somewhere, somehow he's listening on to uh, our little podcast today. Hi, Parker. Yes. Yes. Okay. And the last one, I just want to ask you, if you weren't the creator of Veil Cosmetics, what else could you see yourself doing? Any other passions? That's another very good question, Aquia. You're very good. Uh, You're making me dig deep here. Um, (laughs) It's interesting because it's, you know, my life has always been, I've always followed my heart and things have always led to another. So uh, I started in fine arts and that led to from painting faces to actually 
uh, on canvas to painting actual faces right. uh, in everyday life. And then the painting and the makeup kind of led me to creating my own business, which is Veil Cosmetics, celebrating 10 years uh, this year. And I mean, if that journey continues, I mean, what else would be on the path? What else would I do? Um, you know, because it, it, there's a difference between enjoying something and then having it becoming too arduous and hard work, which yeah. I don't want a passion to become. So um, what else? I mean, I, you know, maybe, I don't know, going, returning to, um, to painting, actually. I think, you know, I, I think I'm in a full circle mode today. So yeah, returning to painting, actually. Yeah. That'd be really cool. That'd be really cool. I've dibbled and dabbled. You know, anytime I go to like a sipping uh, paint, people are always looking at me like, why is she like, are you an artist? Like, why are you so good? I'm like, I'm a makeup artist. So like, you know, that you got to blend the canvases, you know, the background, people are always looking like, why is your blend so good? I'm like, well, you know, so I dabbled <laughs> with like painting and did like my own art before, like for my house and everything. So yeah. I, I could see how so they go. maybe that's something that you you'll uh, express and find a need to express further uh, in your I, life. Yeah, I think I will one day. But thank you so much for sharing with us. I'd love to just jump into it and just start from the beginning. Like, where are you from? I am from Quebec City, uh, a little city in uh, Quebec, uh, Canada. And yeah, that's that's where I grew up. A completely French environment. Nobody spoke English. I mean, Quebec is that French bastion uh, amongst all of North America. So, you know, we have our, our it's our own little bubble literally here. And uh, we've been uh, surviving all these years of, uh, you know, a lot of attempted, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, assimilation from, you know, the English world around us. And, you know, we're still thriving as of 2023. So, and now the difference is that, you know, I have learned English since I've left my little town and, you know, my career, uh, my current needs and my personal uh, desires have, you know, taken me to, uh, you know, discover the world and, and left my little hometown of Quebec City. That's so cool. How did you learn English? Um, first, through loving music. And, you know, back in the day, we had our vinyls and we always had the lyrics in the back. And that's kind of like how I started dabbling into uh uh, learning English and I wanted to understand what, what my favorite singers and, and bands were were singing about so you know a little dictionary and you know page by page look up you know the word and then of course now with Google and everything so much easier to uh to translate things I and mean, you can even have conversations with people and then having you know them recorded and then you can read whatever they just said I mean that's so easy but it doesn't make it easy to learn a new language though because it's almost too easy like you have to make the effort somehow but yeah I mean that's how I dabble the first and then I moved to uh, Toronto I sort of won a, uh, a bursary to go what was called an English summer language program uh, in Toronto I just had to get my my little butt over there and then once there you know I had a six weeks immersion we had no no uh, we're not allowed to speak uh, French at all otherwise you know on your third warning you get the boot so oh, it was quite serious and uh yeah about six weeks that kind of like opened the door to the uh anguish english uh language i think that whenever you're learning a, a second or third language you you need like a certain basics and then at some point you can feel like the door opening you're like oh, okay i get it now and you're able to to start thinking in that language as opposed to trying to translate first and then speaking it 
So, so that six weeks did it for me. Yeah. I absolutely love that backstory. That is, that is super cool. I tried to learn French maybe like two years ago, but it was so hard. I was on like the apps and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to get, to start to dabble in it, but like truly Aquia, it's really about immersing, immersing yourself in it, going someplace where you will be surrounded by, uh, by the language and see the mm-hmm. culture and then watch it on television or you know, on Netflix or whatever is your, your medium or on the internet and then keep at it because it has to be intense and then poof, the, the whole world opens in front of you. It's a fascinating process, you know, whether, whichever language you decide to learn, but uh, it's, uh, do you have any sort of like French ancestry behind you? Well, my brother, my brother-in-law is from Senegal and they speak French there. So I went yes. to Senegal at that time. I took, I took Spanish in um, school. So I was really good at Spanish, but I wish I had taken French instead now. At this I think point. in the U.S. though, you're definitely more prone to being surrounded by the, uh, the Latin culture and, and Spanish for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what sparked me wanting to learn because when I went to Senegal, they don't speak English at all. They speak French and they speak their, um their dialect Wolof. Sure. So. Yeah. I was very much lost. I didn't, I wasn't able to like go out and explore comfortably because I don't speak French. So I didn't want to get like kidnapped or anything like that. You know? Oh, well, yeah, the, the fear of the world could, could get in the way. However, I think it's one of the coolest things to feel like, oh, wow, there's a whole other world out there that is not functioning in my own sort of language and culture. And it's, it's that's one of the best experience, actually, I find, you know, is to yeah. discover or to be confronted uh, to a, a, a culture so so strong and thriving that you're like oh wow you know this is this is fascinating there's a whole world outside of my little world a whole large world growing yeah. up in in Quebec in Canada how was the beauty scene there like what was your first introduction or first um yeah first introduction to beauty where you're like okay I think I might want to explore this aside from doing the the visual arts um well what attracted me to the beauty world was actually through fashion. I went through the fashion door. Uh, at the time in the late 80s, there was this first uh, Canadian show called uh, Fashion Television. They were the first show in the whole world that would actually go backstage behind the scene and interview the designers and interview the makeup artist and look at what was happening, the whole process, which is now so common. We always live backstage now with all the reality shows, everything seems to be happening backstage where the story is. Right. Uh, back in the late 80s, that was a very novel concept. I mean, it was very hard for them to actually get access to backstage because nobody would want to have the backstage scene. So that's kind of like that show really... Uh, piqued my curiosity and that's how I got uh, really fascinated and really really passionate about the fashion world and then seeing the whole beauty coming together with hair and the styling and, and the clothing and then I wanted to be a part of that world I just knew I didn't want to make clothes and I did not want to do hair and then at some point you know as I said earlier you know having uh, dabbled into painting I think that's when my passion for fashion came together with my passion for painting. And then it just merged together. And that's when I had my epiphany. And uh, to be a part of that fashion world, I decided to go through the makeup world. And that's kind of like how the beauty world sort of uh, opened up in front of me. Yeah. That is awesome. How did you get your start? Did you do any counter work first or? Oh, sure. I did my 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 big part of work back uh, uh, at counter. I think that's 
one of the best makeup school actually, because you get to see everybody from any age group, any cultural background, and you get to interact with real people with real issues and real desires. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is hard. It's not easy. I mean, not everybody is meant to have this like outgoing personality or the communication skills required to be able to communicate with clients um, and keep the relationship, you know, at a very sort of polite level, you are presenting a store or a brand at the same time, like you have to juggle with all that. So that's, that's not easy, but it's a great school. And uh, I learned more doing that than in actual makeup school. You know, I went to makeup school for like a three months intensive class. Okay. And I've always been asking, you know, like, is it necessary to get a certification of some sort? I think it's great to sort of get you started where you want to go in the makeup world, mm-hmm. but to actually practice there's nothing better than to get uh going behind the makeup counter and uh and to sell some of it to Mm -hmm. really get the full representation and the real needs and you'll learn from your struggles and that's how i've always learned you know the challenges you know the different skin types different skin tones makeup that's not necessarily working and if you're representing a brand specifically uh you have access to only their makeup so then you learn to how to surpass your challenges we're using that specific makeup brand and then you know solving your 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 challenges so so I loved it have you done it yourself no I have I have not been fortunate (laughs) I um well depending on how you how you see it you know fortunate or uh, unfortunate because it's not for everyone yeah, I, I applied to like Mac, I applied to Sephora and none of them none of them hired me. Um I applied like several times, more than I can count on my fingers, but um that's I just that's interesting. It, yeah, I just took it as like maybe that's not the route that I'm supposed to go with my artistry. I did um go to makeup school. Mine was a lot shorter, but I did think that was a great like foundation for me as far as artistry goes and then over the years I would just continue to take like one-on-one lessons or go to you know group that's classes on classes yeah. and yeah. get my skill that way or just yeah. a lot a lot of what built my artistry too was doing um photo shoots when I first oh, started yeah. I was always in the studio so sometimes that's I'm working fun. with the same model like multiple times and I could see my artistry like transforming each and every time I would do their makeup so I would say like still getting that hands-on and working on different yeah. people, but yeah. the photo shoots are what did it for me. And that's a great world to, to, uh, to be into. I mean, the, the photo shoot world, because you get to work with other creatives as well. And, mm-hmm. and you get to also learn from their perspective and their needs, because it's always a collaboration, you know, like you just don't do the makeup for yourself, you know, right. that happens for me, because I'm doing, I have a makeup brand now and I'm, I'm creating based on my brand and the vision of my brand. However, when you're doing a, a collaboration with photographers, you have a hairstylist, there's always a, a client that you're doing this for. And if it's a collaboration, everybody has to find their own um, worth in it. So it's not just about you. So it's a great way to, uh, to up your skills and to learn from and that's super fun to be I mean who doesn't want to be backstage <laughs> learning how to work with people at the same time because sometimes as a makeup artist we're working alongside hair at the same time so we have to learn yeah. how to communicate yeah, yeah. what we need make sure that they have the space that they need and yeah, get the yeah. finished product you know together yeah. yeah and it's interesting earlier when you said that you know maybe you were not meant to work in in the front line when you didn't get those jobs that you know for whatever reason, um, the same thing happened to me. I, you turn a negative into a positive. 
I applied to get a job over back in the day for a makeup brand and I didn't get the job and I was so disappointed and I took it as like my sort of like stepping stone and that's when I moved from one city to another to really uh, get my English going and then that's when my career actually started and really got catapulted into the industry so I really turned a a very negative experience at the time into something really positive for me and that fueled that desire so I think that I, I can relate to that to your experience. Yeah, absolutely. Because if if you had stayed, if you had gotten the job, then that wouldn't have pushed you to move, you know, to another city to advance yourself in a different type of way. So you never know how it would have panned out. You might have ended up where you are now eventually, but if you had taken the other route, it might have taken longer, maybe. Yeah, I, I, do, I, have to, I think my career would have been very different if I had stayed uh, to begin with where I was at. My, yeah, it would have changed everything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you will never know. <laughs> what are some of your career highlights that stand out to you so far you've been in the industry for over two decades so if you could think of anything that's like that she just holds so dear like what would that be other than um, veil cosmetics there's, there's 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 a couple uh things i think that when i when i was starting my career i was working everything every angle as possible so that at some point something would have to get you know, I knew I wanted to work in the fashion industry, but to actually go from, you know, working behind the counter to the fashion industry, because you're often regarded as, you know, not good enough if you're working at the counter level, which is, you know, true for a lot of people working at a counter level. I think that there's a, a, there's a lot of things that you need to learn before you jump from the counter to behind the scenes, because you're not just selling makeup, you're actually, you know, dealing with a client and there's a whole business behind it but long story short I was doing bridles on the weekend I was working the counter I was doing creative photo shoots with friends and photographers to build my portfolio Mm -hmm. and and I was knocking on all the doors and one day a big door opened and I had gone to a uh, a it was like a television um, station where a lot of different television stations like newscasters, di- different, like much music, which is the equivalent of MTV in the US, uh, Bravo Television, which was like a bit of the equivalent at the time of maybe like HBO. So a lot of many, uh, many different TV shows or TV stations were under one roof. And there were, there was one makeup room in there where a couple of makeup artists were just attending to everybody's needs in terms of their beauty. And, and I wanted to work there so bad because, you know, I mean, knowing that a lot of the music stars would converge there to, you know, show their, their music or, you know, to be interviewed on television, you know, like the equivalent of MTV, you know, so, you know, who doesn't want to do makeup for all those, those singers and bands. So I was like a moth to a flame. I needed to work there. And I applied many times there. They did not need anybody, but out of the blue, you know, six months later, I get a call and they say, are you available? I need you at 5 p.m. It was like 1 p.m. in the afternoon. I need you today at 5 p.m. My makeup artist is sick. And it was like the best way to get, you know, to get into the job. And I made myself available. I went in there and I got the job. So I was working there part-time then and dealing with, you know, all the newscasters and the TV uh, personalities and also all of the, uh, the great, I mean, I got to do a, I got to meet Ricky Martin, Alice Cooper, uh, <laughs> who else was there? Oh, uh, No Doubt. I did make up for No Doubt. I mean, you know, Katie Lang, like the list is, you know, I was, that's a long time ago. I barely can remember whoever I, I'd done makeup for back then, but it was just so exciting. I was like, you know, 20, 
five years old and just in the center of it all. So that was a very, very exciting moment that sort of like catapulted uh, my uh sort of my desires in my career so to speak yeah, yeah. That's, that's super cool no doubt i saw in your bio that you've done jane fonda's makeup too like how was that she's a yeah. legend oh she was so kind as you think she would be uh that was in uh the framework of back in the 2000s there was a little show well not so little but it was like part of that sort of like feminist movement like you know reacquiring and owning your body and it was called the vagina monologues and I don't know if you've ever heard about it but I think it was like it's you know I don't know if they might still be active nowadays and uh, Jane Fonda was a part of that show it was at Madison Square Garden there were a lot of them you know Ricky Lake was there as well I did her makeup there Susie Kurtz like there was I I didn't do Oprah's makeup but Oprah Winfrey was in the house as well so it was like a really exciting moment because all these women had gathered together to sort of like fuel each other and you know own their sort of narrative and, mm-hmm. and feminism at the same time and uh, it was fun to be a part of so yeah Jane was a true gem to uh, do makeup for. Okay at this point like what is your favorite kind of work to do since you have dibbled and dabbled in several parts of the industry like what is like your go-to favorite thing to do now? Your questions are really good Akuya. I really appreciate that. I mean not all makeup are the same. There are different so many different levels and things that you get to do. My favorite thing to do in terms of makeup I think is is now doing what I do which is doing my campaign and my videos for Veil Cosmetics Mm -hmm. because I get to expand on my vision and and really delve into further like the complexion uh, theme that I've I've really nurtured for the past gosh you know I would say 15-20 years that's been my focus as a makeup artist you know yeah. some people are like you know I, she's the bra specialist or you know she is the eye queen you know the lash queen or yeah. you know and this woman does like the best <laughs> lip in the business you know all that so for me it's always been about complexion so when I get to do my complexion work with my models and I often you know will work in studios with the photographers that I've sort of I've uh, been friends with over the years since I've been back to Montreal for the past uh, six years now. So I have like my little circle of go-to photographers and studios and, and often I will shoot from my home as well. So mm-hmm. that's really fun. It, it feels comfortable. And I think that the models that are coming into this environment can feel the comfort and everybody feels sort of like relaxed and it's not stressful and we're all there to just, you know, do the best we can. So that's really uh, what I enjoy doing now. Not so much you know, doing makeup for celebrities. I've done that for so long. And um, you feed a lot of into like a lot of people's insecurities. Mm. And I don't know, like I've given a lot, I call it like, (laughs) you get like a blood donation when you do makeup or sometimes, you know, like you're, I think you, you know what I'm talking about. So uh, I want to keep my energies for myself and and I enjoy having a great human interaction with people. But when it becomes so needy that, you know, they're never satisfied and, you know, they, they don't know what they want, but they want what she's having, you know, like it's too competitive and I don't like to feed into that. So, so I'm, I'm done with that. <laughs> I literally just had that conversation maybe last week on the podcast about, or maybe the week before, I don't even know, about just 
I slowly feel myself transitioning out of doing makeup the way that I'm doing it right now at the capacity that I'm doing because of, I literally said the insecurity things. Like at one point when you're a makeup artist, you take pride in being able to transform somebody in that way to make that, to flip their insecurities at that time to feel more confident. But at some point you just kind of get exhausted with like people's insecurities and having to constantly like stroke them, especially as a stranger. Like, I don't even know you. And I'm over here trying to convince you of something that I see that you don't see, but it's like, oh my gosh. (laughs) It's, it's, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of energy. And at the end of the day, um, a lot of people don't understand why we become so quiet around the dinner table. It's because we've given all of our energy to, you know, to all these strangers that, you know, you entertain me now. <laughs> I want to be entertained. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as a makeup artist and a brand owner at this point, how do you structure your weeks and how do you carve out time for Sebastian as well as, you know, and building the brand? Um, I've, I've gotten to a point of where I'm pretty comfortable and I guess it's maybe sometimes you shouldn't be all that comfortable in business, but you know, after all this time in the business and 10 years with, uh, with Bell Cosmetics, um, I have my routine sort of like carved up. It's Monday through, like, I mean, I do a bit of work for Bell Cosmetics every day. I mean, that's, that's never going to escape me because I handle social media and social media always needs content. And, yeah. you know, you need to answer people with the messaging and, you know, which we can get to later. I have my, my two cents on that. You know, I have a, a little, um, public announcement, service announcement for, for all the folks out there that think their opinion is so important. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like Monday to Friday. Um, it's mostly like all my mornings, you know, like I usually will get behind my computer and everything, you know, between eight or nine in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say, you know, depending, sometimes, you know, I have my my, my yoga days, you know, my Mondays and Wednesdays, I have my yoga at 12. So that's, you know, stops me. Hard stop at like a quarter to twelve because I got to get to my yoga. I'm really, really, I really need that to sort of you know recenter myself. I I, I think I'm more I'm better I'm a lot better now at, at balancing work with personal. After yeah. all these years, like I think that yes, I'm still passionate, but I don't have the drive that let's say I used to have in my twenties when you know everything is possible and still everything is still possible, but you still don't know where you're gonna land. Yeah. Whereas now I've done a lot of things that have really satisfied me creatively. And I've, I've realized a lot of my dreams, I've actually achieved pretty much all of my dreams in terms of work. So now I feel comfortable and not guilty about balancing things out and spending time with my boyfriend and seeing my family, which is one of the reasons why also I moved back to Montreal. Mm-hmm. And you know, and having my yoga time and, you know, going for a run later this afternoon because it's such a beautiful, glorious day. So I don't feel guilty anymore about balancing things out because I know and I'll get the work done. If it's not in the morning, I'll get it done, you know, after dinner. And, you know, it's, it's there's always an opportunity. It's not like I'm working nine to five and after five, you know, everything just falls into oblivion. Like my work always follows me. I just need to be good and remind myself that there's a, uh, it's, it's okay to have time for myself and try to not feel so guilty. I still feel guilty from time to time, but you know, because the drive is always there, but I'm a lot better at, at balancing things up. So that's kind of how I do it. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Cause we do get lost sometimes and just work, 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 but 
learning to have that balance and like you said not feeling guilty about taking time for yourself like that mm-hmm. is that's the key I, yeah. I really- quality quality work as opposed to just work for the sake of working you know I find that that they uh I, I used to work for big corporations and I said a corporate culture real up close and there's almost like this this very um not so healthy lifestyle of you know like staying in the office and you know like you People or some bosses or some head of departments, you know, making you feel guilty for not staying in the office long enough according to what their needs are. But, you know, their needs versus what your needs are, like it's different for everybody. And I've I've encountered my share of toxic people in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. And I think I've learned a lot from that and sort of like letting go of other people's expectations and nuttiness and, and doing it for you and working you know, smartly. It's not about working long hours, it's about working smartly. And if you're doing the work that's that needed to be done and that's smart and that's creative and you mm-hmm. find solutions for your challenges, then you always prevail. And if you're just working for the sake of, you know, working and I'm going to be like in front of my computer because I you know is perceived as being productive, then you might fail that way. And you'll never feel satisfied and you'll certainly never, uh, you'll never put in enough hours for that you know, person in the corporate world because they'll take everything from you. <laughs> they would drain you. They would take every drop. <laughs> yes, That's for is. sure. Yes. Well, congratulations on 10 years, coming up on 10 years of Veil Cosmetics. You. I would love to know, like, what was the inspiration behind creating your own cosmetics brand after using so many products over the years? You got it. Um, I, I knew I was, I always knew I wanted to have my own business at some point. So of course, when I went into makeup it became clear that I was going to own my business cosmetics but what sort of made it happen is that I think after you just like you said I've tried so many makeup I've worked with a lot of makeup brands and it's the challenges of those working with those products that quite not always worked for me and finding solutions for those textures that might not have been right or for those combinations and and also like you know sometimes you're 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 interpreting people's vision because you don't work for yourself so you're interpreting other people's visions and so your own vision sort of develops in the background well maybe I wouldn't do it that way or you know they're saying this but I think that maybe I'm seeing that this would work better so Mm -hmm. all of these challenges have really led me to uh, creating Veil Cosmetics also, the fact that I complexion has always been my focus as a makeup artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very clear that the brand was going to be Veil Cosmetics, you know, complexion centric and, and textures, superior textures infused with skincare. That was going to be my thing. And I'm always on the lookout for how can I get skin to look at its best, but in a natural looking way, not in a masking way. I love skin. I want you know, we all love, you know, we've all seen people that have that natural plumped, filled with collagen skin, not redness, no scars, no sun damage. Like everything is just so freaking flawless and supple. <laughs> and that's what I try to achieve because I've seen the, the, that skin and, and I, you know, my vision personally is, is to duplicate that skin and in and, and offering and creating makeup that will help you achieve that so that it looks like you're not wearing makeup. There are textures that are sublime that will 
uh, blend easily, that will disappear, that are imperceptible uh, mm. for all skin types, that will do good for the skin at the same time, use technology and also great ingredients to create that performance, not just, you know, just say, oh, for the sake of love, they're just all good ingredients or it's all natural or it's all clean. You know, there's, there's a challenge that comes with also that. And I think that we have technology and I don't mind a good lab creation, you know, in terms of an ingredient, you know, that's safe, that's proven, that's also uh, performant and that's right. going to work in the makeup. I'm not afraid of that. And I think that's something that, that needs to get back in the conversation and narrative because everybody's jumped onto the, the clean bandwagon, you know, which implies that what else is dirty? I mean, it doesn't make sense. No, it's, mm -hmm. it's technology. And yes, there used to be toxic ingredients. And I think maybe it took the counterbalance of the clean movement to bring it back to a nice middle ground where you can use technology and those lab-based ingredients and with the natural mother nature's, you know, sources and then create those great, great performing brands. Yeah. So you've combined skincare and makeup and made them into one thing. Did you go, did you formulate your products in the lab or have a chemist, you know, working? Yes, with you? a chemist. Yes. I certainly don't have a chemist background. So I've worked mm -hmm. closely since the beginning with a, uh, a, a chemist um, and, he has that knowledge and I have sort of the, the texture uh, vision and the overall marketing vision of what I need to create. So with his knowledge and mine, we'll create, you know, everything that that's veiled now. And it's, it's always a fun process. I love the creative process of, of finding the next texture, the next product. Um, I have a new launch in the fall, which I'm not going to, say anything about but we're launching something big and something new in the fall and that was the last two and a half years if not three years of my life that's been sort of really focused on creating the, the next launch and it's not as easy as you as people think uh it could be creating new product because you know there are sensitivity issues and I'm the most sensitive person around that I know so you know if it doesn't work for me then you know I know it might not work for some people so if it works on me I know it will work for most people so, so following those things, it, it's, it's a fun process. And, and it, you know, it's a very selfish need at the end of the day. I like to create things that will work for me. And if it works for me, then I hope that it's going to work for other people at the same time. Yes. Okay. What products did you launch with when you first created Veil? Complexion Fix. Yeah. That is a, uh, a little dream worker. I created Complexion Fix because... I have worked a lot behind the scenes at Fashion Week and time is of the essence. And if you're working on set, you know, the photographer always needs the model yesterday. You never have all the time, time in the world. How much exactly. time? Exactly, how much more time? Exactly. <laughs> so when, have you ever done Fashion Weeks or Fashion Shows, Kuya? I have, yes. It's not my favorite yeah. thing, but I have. Okay, done. fair enough. But the way it works is, if you've probably seen is that when you, the models come in, you know, during the first two, three hours prior to the show, you know, they all come in at a certain pace, but you know, there's a team of maybe five, six, seven, eight makeup artists, depending on how big the show is. And it's impossible to create a, um, a vision that will be sort of very uh, well-rounded with each model because, you know, everybody has different features, but when the look comes together is when they say first look, and then they all get in lineup, they get into their clothes and then they all start lining up. And then as a makeup artist or a hairstylist, you go from one to one and you start looking at the vision and you fix the things that are not making sense. So you're getting the consistency with the look. Mm -hmm. So my dream product comes in, complexion fix to fix complexion, 
on the go when you are in that lineup. So I could put these, you know, all my colors in my tool belt and then whichever color I need, put it in the back of my hand, do little fixes and touch-ups and then get going. Because I mean, bottles of foundations, I mean, that's a whole thing. You don't, you don't have time. You can't carry all of this when you have like your little pouch of touch-up, you know, the, the touch-up pouch, right. that's <laughs> an art in and of itself. <laughs> to, to be able to secure in that pouch, the very only essential products that you will need that you'll be able to handle on the go. I mean, that is the dream pouch. Let me tell you as a makeup artist and complexion fix was a creation based on that needs, you know, backstage. So it fixes the complexion. That's why I wanted it to be, it's a, it's a corrector, it's a concealer, or it's a highlighter, depending on which color you're picking and, and where you're using. That's how you sort of, you know, able to accomplish all of those needs. So complexion fix is still, you know, one of my stars, my top stars 10 years later. Yes. I love that. And of course you've expanded over the years. How did you determine like what products you wanted to add next in the lineup? And, you know, you just mentioned you have another one coming out. So how did you make that decision on what to do next? Very good question. Again, Aquia, you're amazing. Uh, it's really, to me, the creative process always leads to, okay, so I've created a product and I'm doing makeup now. I'm with my model, I'm backstage, or I'm a photo shoot, I'm with a client. And I always look at, okay, what is the thing that I'm doing the most? That's always the most consistently required while doing makeup. So this complexion fix was the most important thing for me when doing makeup because I find, you know, a spot concealing or concealing is more transformative or more important than putting a lot of foundation. I find that, you know, if you've got good skin, there's no point in putting foundation everywhere. You can just apply it, apply a little concealer where needed. You know, eyes are looking tired. I think that once you're taking care of the eye area, somebody looks fantastic. They don't need anything else. You know, they'll look fresh and ready to go. So my next level, my next step was always, okay, so after concealer, what is the thing that I'm encountering that I feel like I'm really needing to reach for? that I did not have, that was part of my brand. So I thought, well, I need to prime skin. I need to hydrate skin. I need something that will, you know, be there before I apply complexion fix. So that's when I created the primer serum mixing base that is Sunset Light uh, primer serum mixing base. And Sunset Light, you know, then mixed with this together, created the foundation. And it's always like, you know, a, a sort of, uh, you know, a, a process that goes on that way. It's always based on the next step. You know, what do I need to create next to complete the experience? What do I need most at this very moment? Mm -hmm. I like I like how you explained that. And that makes so, so, so much sense. Yes. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> and when, when I've created product out of a request from a retailer or a, a marketing purpose, Mm -hmm. that never worked mm. it never worked so always follow your instinct and right. your real needs right have you ever done the makeup show new york yes many times oh, yes i used to do the trade show around a lot and we've stopped just before the pandemic because i found that there were a lot of big expenses Mm -hmm. and and the trade show world has sort of evolved it's great exposure and I love the makeup show like I've met a ton of great creatives uh back there and you know the owner of the makeup show she's awesome and I, I've met a lot of great other um you know brand owners so that's always been a fantastic experience but it was a lot of expenses and 
and you know, as an indie brand, we have to be very frugal and we have to think of how we want to spend our budget in order to expand and to create our brand vision. And mm -hmm. it became very clear that you know the trade show in general around were no longer the place where you could meet client and and open, let's say, uh, with a new chain of spas or new salons, and you know, like there there were no longer because usually trade shows is for the trade and people will come, you know, from an entrepreneurial background to acquire product for their needs and their salons, their spas, their boutiques and whatnot. And I found that those people were no longer really coming to those shows. It became more of a uh, aficionado, amateur, sort of, you know, people loving makeup coming to those things as opposed mm -hmm. to entrepreneurs needing to acquire brands for mm -hmm. their needs so then you're just basically doing retail so might as well just have a pop-up shop and sell retail got you i was asking you because i feel like i've seen the brand there before was the packaging like a there darker blue and like gold uh there was, more, there was more gold there was more okay. gold and uh and i switched to uh the blue like this but yeah we, we used to do the, the trade show rounds yeah pretty much since the beginning i say i you know i started doing the trade shows imats the makeup show, uh, IBS, and all that. Like we've we've done a lot of them since you know since the creation. So 2012, 13, yeah. And we stopped just before the pandemic. So we probably stopped in 2018, 19. Okay, okay. What are yeah. your best sellers right now, Reveal? Best sellers: the Complexion Fix and Automat has taken over the world in the past year and a half. Uh, Automat is my mattifying balm and powder substitute. I created this. I remember when at the very beginning of my career, I started working for a makeup brand called Smashbox that was just launching at the time. It's a long time ago. And they had a product called Anti-Shine. And I was just mesmerized and I just loved it. And I thought it was so genius. It was, it came in a little jar and it was kind of like, it was hard to describe. I guess they were like the beginnings of like dabbling into like silicones and its derivative, but it was not really, it was not perfected yet. But okay. I just remember like putting this, you would put your finger in it and then you would just apply this on the skin. So it would blur, major blur. Mm -hmm. And it would, you know, take away the shine instead of, because we always just knew about powder to take yeah. the shine away. And I was like, wow, this is fantastic. And I loved it. But I, you know, that product at the time was not perfected yet, as I mentioned, because makeup would pill and it would just not stay in place and it would just like exfoliate off the face as yeah, you would apply. So that was not good. And it would it would dry out also in, in the pot. So you would end up with like almost like a, a miniature size golf ball, a rubbery golf ball that would just go, you know, like it was not staying creamy in there. So, but it always stayed in the back of my mind. And as I am so perfected and so focused on complexion, mm -hmm. over the years, having worked with a lot of photographers in you know, micro and doing close-ups, I've learned that powder is your enemy. If you're putting powder when you're doing a close-up, that's when they have to retouch a lot. And the photos become really, really artificial looking because if there's too much makeup, there's too much powder, you don't see skin anymore. And then they need to retouch a lot. And then it looks like plastic. Mm -hmm. So... So that's how I learned, you know, my, my focus on, on, on skin and then powder has become for that reason, a, a product that I don't enjoy using because I know it, 
it will take away the skin quality that I'm looking for in a close-up. Because I mean, my, oh gosh, did I enjoy doing beauty tutorials with a big close-up on the eye, you know, a big mm -hmm. close-up on the mouth area. And then if you close up, if you really look close up, then you can see like all the excess makeup in the creases, peach fuzz, powder on the peach fuzz, like everything. <laughs> so here comes Automat. So Automat is that balm texture that is completely imperceptible. You can't feel it. You can't see it. So it blurs in a nice refined way without pilling when you're putting makeup on top. So it could be used under makeup, on top of makeup later, but it's not because people that are using powder today, if you're watching or if you're listening to this podcast, powder when you're using powder as a um, as a setting powder this is not to set your makeup yes it will add longevity because it will control the oil but if you're using very heavy makeup if you're on the transformative route of makeup you know like drag makeup or heavier makeup transformative makeup um, this is makeup automat is for people that enjoy a subtle no makeup makeup to, to really celebrate skin so when you're doing these other types of makeup and you need to set makeup, this is not gonna work because yeah. you're putting so much layers already. And this is meant to be like a great subtle, you know, touch up or a, a great touch to, to celebrate skin, to keep it integral as opposed to covering up. And that's why I call my brand veil as opposed to mask. So once you understand all these things, then you understand if automat is for you or not. And if you want to set heavy makeup with powder, you're not gonna be able to replace you know, with Automat, because Automat is not going to gel well with a lot of heavier, oilier, waxy texture. Like it's, it's, you don't have the subtlety anymore, but yes, you can use it underneath all that makeup as a primer so that you can get the blurring and you will absorb oil, uh, excess oil production before it gets to the surface of the skin. So that's yeah. my little Automat. And you can use your fingers, you know, dab it on, you can use a sponge, or if you're a makeup pro out there, use your little spatula, take a little mm -hmm. on, put it on your, on your makeup uh, palette, you know, warm it up a little bit, and then you can apply it with a brush or with a sponge and dab it on. So that is super cool. Cause I saw your, your demo of it on your page. And I was going to ah. ask if you can use it on top of makeup. So what if like you're on set and instead of using powder, you know, people get oily. So instead of always using powder, to um you know get the oil down maybe yep. you block them could you block them and then put like the the exactly automatic? that's exactly it so you would you would blot first if you're on set I was a real professional we like to blot the excess and then you know there's still that little excess shine and they also blotting sometimes will take away some of the makeup so mm -hmm. what I love about automat is that it does not disturb existing makeup as a professional that's why this is so popular within the beauty uh, industry professionals that are working on film that work with uh, 4k 5k 6k like all the very very close-ups men grooming because we're you know we don't want to see too much makeup there so it really is great on top of makeup because it does not separate makeup it keeps the integrity of your makeup and it will just blur it and keep makeup into place so you can use a flat brush like a flat concealer brush to sort of like deposit it where you need it on the eyelid uh in the under the eye area uh, and also like to use maybe like more of a, um, like a buffer brush, like a big mm -hmm. round full brush. And you would just like twirl it in there. And then I sort of like press it onto the skin. So that way you're not disturbing the makeup and you're just sort of like pressing it on top of the skin. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like the new matte that I sort of like making a comeback nowadays. Because, you know, matte, you know, the 90s matte or the matte that was inspired by 
the makeup artist of their reality shows, like the Kardashians and all that. Like, it used to be very heavy and all of that, you know, people were talking about a lot. And I'm glad that, you know, it's not so much prevalent anymore, but the whole uh, baking thing. Yeah. And that's like, that's ultra matte and skin is not breathing anymore. But the new matte, it's not about making it look chalky or so dry. It's about sort of a, still keeping that skin quality but blurring away the excessive shine so that you don't look oily. So it's kind of like a satin finish, right? In between, so your skin still look like skin and not made up. And Automat is perfect for that little sort of new matte finish. I, love, I gotta get my hands on that. I, got, I, I, I need to try it for myself. I'll hook you up, I'll hook you up. <laughs> Thank you. Do you have the velvet there with you? Yes, I do, there it is that thing i was i just love the demos that you were doing on your page people using it like the creams how you could use it on all different places yeah. the lips the cheeks the eyes exactly so i created this originally for lip and cheek and of course you know anything face contour or whatnot but i ended up ended up using this by needs you know on the eye area and it looks so wonderful and it just looks so natural it just adds that little spark to the eye and and it's really like for any features on your face, truly. And interestingly enough that you're talking about velvet after Automat, the texture of velvet was inspired by Automat. So it's those are balm colors. Mm -hmm. And it's that same texture, just a slight bit more emollient so that you could get an easy blend, but you still get a blurring. It's not sticky at all when you put it on the face. So it's great for any skin types. Uh, and any skin tones, because all these colors, whether you mix them together or use them individually, look great on any skin tone, whether you have like really rich, deep, you know, melanin skin, or you have a nice pale sort of porcelain tone. And, and they're so easy to blend. And the pigment is not harsh. Like you can get sometimes with powders, sometimes mm -hmm. with powder, and you apply it so much. And, and by mistake, and you're having a hard time trying to fix that. With this, you can just blend away and it will always be your friend. It's never an impediment to your makeup application. So I, I love my little velvet lip and cheek face yes. and eye colors. So six colors in there, you have your pops, your bright pops, and then you have your more middle ground, more natural tone, and then your almond um, sort of like neutral tone in the middle. So, you know, those colors will all look very ravishing on you as well, Aquia. <laughs> yes, I hope y'all are watching on YouTube so you can see the, the actual products. If you're listening to the audio, tune in on YouTube so you can see they're just so yummy looking. I just love the packaging and everything. Thank you. Thank you. And then the, that, that, that texture, the formula itself, the, the balm texture, it's great because if you're only um, aware of the cream textures, Creams can often feel sticky afterwards and you feel the need to apply powder on top to sort of like make them smooth. If you have long hair, you know, it sticks to your face and, you know, it's like, you know, creams on your lips, you know, like things can get stuck to your lip or to your face. And, and this is the balm texture that I have created here is really revolutionary in the sense that it just feels comfortable. Makeup does not have to feel like you're putting... A, a layer on top of another layer. And that's what I learned as a makeup artist over the years is that you know, a lot of my clients were criticizing, not my makeup necessarily, but when I was introducing them to makeup that I was selling, that, mm -hmm. oh, that feels heavy, oh, that's sticky. or And that always struck the core with me because I remember being also on the receiving end of some educational seminars you know like you're picked as a hand as a model and you know they do makeup on you and then you're just sitting there and I would look at myself in the mirror like oh my god there's so much makeup but also it just felt like you know like 
you know, and you're in, in, in Washington, D.C., you said, right? So mm -hmm. humid weather is no stranger to you. So humid weather and heavy makeup is just a recipe for disaster. It just feels disgusting, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And <laughs> so, I love when I have my clients and they tell me like, oh, I, it doesn't even feel like I have anything on my face. Like it feels so light. It feels so natural. I'm like, I like that. That's a compliment as a makeup artist. It is. It, it really in is my book. But you know, that, that that's my whole vision. You know, it's like airy, light textures. You can forget about the makeup. You know, you can be sort of uh, not transformed, but you can be beautified and, you know, sublimed without having to wear a lot of makeup. And there's a time and place for everything. And I love a good transformation, believe me. Like I've dabbled in that. And when I started my career, and I think as makeup artists, when you start, you enjoy putting makeup on, you know. Like, mm -hmm heavier makeup and very colorful and transformative and you know and because I've done all of that I think now I appreciate the the this it requires a lot of knowledge and a lot of uh understanding to be able to uh, to realize and to achieve a makeup that's extremely lightweight that will be long wearing and that will make somebody feel comfortable mm -hmm. people don't realize that it's harder to do natural makeup, like no makeup, makeup, skin like makeup than it is to like. Amen. You know, beat it on there. If people don't realize that. Absolutely. You're a 500% right. Yeah. And also in developing your products, like what was the most challenging thing that you had to overcome in the process of launching or just being in the brand now? Any challenges that you have to overcome? The biggest challenge is to find a, a customer for your product. As an indie brand, you know, like I, I am not in a big shop, in a big department stores. So you have to constantly feed traffic to your website because when I launched, you know, we were not going to be sold in department stores. We were not going to be, you know, we were just opening up our, our website. And 10 years ago, having just a dot com, I used to get the cold shoulder and sort of like, you know, the, the weird... I, when I was interviewed by, um, by, ma by magazine uh, journalists, you know, they would say also, where's Bell Cosmetics going to be sold? And I would say bellcosmetics.com. And you could see like their face kind of like, you know, giving the cold shirt. It's like, oh, good luck with that, you know? And now it's yeah. become a standard being able to sell online, but it's, a nice, it's nice to have a bit of a balance. But again, finding a client for that new product is, is the biggest challenge because you're talking to yourself at that point, unless you invest in, in um in publicity online on social media and getting people to see the product if you have you know uh content creators that will use the product and show it to their followers and you know what you used to call also influencers and you know people that have a big audience that will let them show but it's now that world is so saturated and if you don't have big budget you know nobody will talk about your product and it's it's fascinating i think people are starting to really realize that you know, the people that they love, that those influencers, you know, they get paid to talk about product. They will not talk about anything. Of course, they, they'll love it, you know, if you give them $20,000 behind the scene. So, and this, I, I, I wish there was more transparency in the process because a lot of those viral product, you know, they paid for that virality, let's face it. You know, yeah. so as an indie brand, that's another challenge is to be able to compete because since the pandemic, um, it's become a lot more competitive. It costs a lot more money to be able to be seen even on Amazon, to be seen on the internet, to be seen on social media. It takes a lot more money and a lot more budget because all the big companies that could not sell in the stores 
anymore because those stores were closed. They, they all jump in my backyard as an indie brand and now all the costs have you know risen and it's a lot more competitive. So that's the biggest challenge. I am so happy that you mentioned that because I was going to ask you, like, as an indie brand owner, like, how do you feel that you compare or stand up to the competition now, even with, like, all of the celebrities that are constantly coming out and, like, launching their own, like, beauty brands, skincare brands and everything? Yeah. Like, it's a lot now. It is a lot. It's, it's, the, the pandemic has really brought this tsunami of celebrities feeling the need to sell their byproduct. And I'm hoping that I, there's a bit of a start of an epiphany also on the public side, but it's, you know, why would you buy things from somebody that just because they're a celebrity, because they're known, it doesn't make any sense to me, you know, buying from people that have the experience, people that have worked in that business and that have your best interests at heart, not because they need more of your hard earned money. They already have their billions. Why do you need, you know, to sell another makeup line or skincare line when you already have like all those million i don't understand so that's that's a big challenge so how do i you know parker who's you know we just mentioned earlier in the podcast and my business partner and best friend who passed um recently always said to me sebastian you will always have creativity and nobody take, can take that away from you so that as an indie brand is what is my strength is what my force is is my creativity because a lot of the bigger brands will always look at smaller brands like mine to copy and to get inspiration from because i used to work on the big corporate side and those product development meetings were always about all right so bring what your favorite products are right now you know and everybody would bring their product and then they would copy whichever felt like it was the most you know brilliant idea that's how the big brands work and all those celebrity makeup brands work but when it comes to a needy brand, it's a true need from a true makeup artist that's been in business for a long time, that does makeup and that sees a need for something that he does or she does. And that's how my products are created. And then that's, you know, that, that will always be my strength. So thank you, Parker, for, you know, making me realize that early on in my, in my career so that I can feel secure in what I have to offer. I just have to have enough of a team and a budget to be able to get it known before I get scooped by another brand. <laughs> Absolutely. They can't take your creativity away from you. So I have a, um, a never have I ever question for you. If you're All down. Right. So if this, down. Ever, <laughs> if this has, if this has ever happened to you before, share the story behind it. If not, what advice would you give to a makeup artist who is experiencing the question I'm about to ask you in this moment? Okay. All right. So, Never have I ever had a client have an allergic reaction to a product as I'm doing their makeup. Has that ever happened to you before? It has happened to me before. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. What happened? So, um, I mean, actually it's happened with, uh, I had just newly launched my Sunset Light Primer and it's a serum. So mm -hmm. the actives in there are from an actual serum perspective. So it's not just marketing level, it's actual serum level. And I have an extract in there, cinnamon bark extract. And cinnamon is also what people used to uh, get the lips, uh, the lip plumpers to sort of take action. So, so we have to lower, long story short, the cinnamon bark levels into the primer because it's a plumping agent. But there was, you know, in certain cases when people were very sensitive, so the plumping got people to have like red 
you know, like they were feeling a heat sensation on their face, pretty much the same way people will get their limp plumper to feel like, oh my God, my lips are feeling like all tingly and warm and everything. So imagine that, but you know, for the face. So, so we had to, um, uh, I went back to uh, the drawing board with my, uh, my uh, chemist and we lowered the, um, the level of cinnamon bark into the primer. And that was then the end of that story. But at first, yes, the, and I'm surprised because I didn't experience it myself because I'm super mm -hmm. sensitive. So that's why I thought, okay, well, we have the right levels of cinnamon bark extract. But yeah, I remember that specific client got like, you know, red spots on her face and it would just go away after five minutes. It's not oh. like an allergic reaction. It was oh. more like a, a reaction to the plumping ingredient that is cinnamon bark extract because it, it gets blows blood to flow into the skin and that's how it has that plumping aspect um, to it as a uh, as a skincare ingredient. So it was, you know, nobody likes to see red spots on their face, you know, like, but not like, you know, like red blemishes, more like, you know, big, you know, red. <sighs> and I was like, whoa. So, and then I would, Stand them a bit and then they would cool off and be like, okay, let's just put some water and then yeah. we'll, you know, move on. So that was uncomfortable. But again, you know, I learned from that experience and created an even better product based on the uh, the sensitivity that people were encountering. Yeah. If that happens to someone, especially like a new makeup artist, they would probably be shook. But like, if that's happening to somebody in the moment, like how would you like instruct them or give, what advice would you give them? to handle that situation professionally. Keep your cool. Is it mean, it, you know, anything, anybody can have an allergic reaction to anything. It could be food, it could be makeup, it could be anything. And so keep your cool. I mean, nobody meant that to happen. So you just say, okay, so the first thing to do is to actually just remove what's been applied on the face. And the best way to do that is to actually apply also a cold sort of compress to the face. So I had like water with cotton, pads and sort of like press that onto the face and mm -hmm. that sort of like calms the situation and you remove it so then and then I mean if it exacerbates of course you know you would probably recommend your client to you know see their doctor <laughs> but keep you calm because you know obviously nobody intended to create that situation mm -hmm. and and by being honest say oh well I use this product you know and there's just you know let's look at it together maybe there's an ingredient in there that you did not know that you might have a sensitivity to so it just face the fact and not pretend because if you pretend that nothing is happening then that's when I think it's more it's more um infuriating for the uh the client yeah. that's sitting in the chair to like well I'm not crazy like yes I'm having a reaction yes it's you know so you acknowledge what's happening and you do the best to sort of like keep things, you know, and you sort of try to relate with the client to say, oh my God, that's, I've experienced that before. I understand. I'm so sorry this is happening to you. Try to create a bit of a empathy in the, in, in the chair. That goes a long way. That's so funny. I always ask my clients before I start, are you allergic to anything? They say, no. I'm like, well, we're going to find out today. Like I always tease uh, them, we're going to find out, we're going to see. <laughs> that's that's a funny way to approach it I love it <laughs> we're gonna find out <laughs> yeah since your your makeup is just like so flawless so natural like what is your key to the no makeup makeup look the key to the no makeup makeup is to really look at what the skin is telling you mm -hmm. it's not about what you want to apply as a makeup artist you got to let the skin tell you what it needs so if I'm looking at it and I'm seeing dark circles that's the first thing I'm gonna you know take care of 
if the person has beautiful, you know, rested eyes, but then I'm seeing a few blemishes, then let's prep the skin. It's all about skincare, first of all. Prep the skin so that whatever you'll put on the face afterwards will glide like a charm and not reflect back at you, you know? So skincare, you know, skin treatment, skin prepped is super important. And then let the skin tell you what it needs or let the face tell you what it needs. So if somebody already has like amazing lashes, you don't need to apply, you know, false lashes on top of that. You're gonna, you know, take the look into a whole different glamorous zone. So for the no makeup makeup, it's really finding the colors that are perfectly matching the skin. Yeah. Uh, whether it's, you know, a lip color that you're applying or if it's maybe a tone that you're seeing around the eye area, you're choosing a, a brow color, like a brow uh, pencil or if it's a, a, a brow gel, make sure that mm -hmm. it matches perfectly the tones that are existing on your client's face. And that's how you're gonna choose the no makeup makeup. And understand when it's time to back off. <laughs> okay. if, you start, if you start saying makeup, then you're not tricking the eye anymore. So it's really to keep that perfect balance of like looking like on your dream day, you know, we always say, oh, we you know you're supposed to feel refreshed and look your best when you wake up. Well, as you get older, you know, like you don't look your best in the morning. You know, you need a couple hours to deep puff and to feel, you know, refreshed and everything. But, you know, what would skin look like at its best? You know, it's skin that looks like it's oxygenated. That mm -hmm. is sort of, you know, even, even, evenness is most important. But how do you achieve this evenness? You know, it's not through thickness. It's through using the right pigment, the right color. Yeah. And, and once you've got that, then, you know, a little moisture on the lip, you know, or maybe it's a lipstick that mimics the lip color because the lip color might be not so even. So you want to maybe even that out subtly with a lip pencil, mm -hmm. add more definition because the lip might liking some definition, but adding definition in a way that makes the lip look just perfectly plump as opposed to glamorous. Right. Those little details. I like that. I wanted to ask you too about male grooming because I feel like male grooming isn't one of the things that's like really like talked about as far as artistry goes, but then you just have to kind of like figure it out. Like if you're ever thrown into that situation and you have a male model or something, like you just have to figure out, you know, what to do. So would you say that male grooming is similar to the no makeup makeup with the exception of like the lipstick and, you know, all of that type of stuff? Absolutely. And, and you know, I've actually reverted back to calling it male beauty because I think that we, you know, the gentle souls back in the day, I think that, you know, makeup for men, I mean, was going to, God forbid, men don't wear yeah. makeup. And, you know, the, the word grooming, you know, I think it's, it's also associated and, you know, grooming other, you know, like maybe a, a pet or a, a uh, you know, grooming children towards something. And there's like, a, I don't know, there's a bit of a negative connotation nowadays. And I don't want to get too like woke, but I think I, I'm just, I reverted back to calling it male beauty because it is what it is. It is male beauty. Uh -huh. And yes, there is a big aspect of understanding no makeup, makeup with men, especially because they'll be the first one in that mirror and they'll be like, oh, I see makeup. And, you know, they'll call you out. So, you know, trick their eye to believe that it's not there. And I think automat is extremely amazing for uh, male beauty because you cannot see it. You can't feel it. But, you know, men tend to get it very oily. So, and especially like the bald spot, you know, that gets oh. very shiny on camera. So that is your guy right here. And creating, using uh, bomb colors like velvet, that's phenomenal on, on, on skin like this. Cause I think that for male beauty, uh, we often use or see bronzing powder, but it just makes the model look darker. And sometimes there's brown and brown doesn't always look, 
healthy on every skin tone, depending on the brown tone. Obviously, there's cool browns, there's warmer browns, there's, you know, mm -hmm. all sorts of varieties in browns, but brown can be a little dull sometimes. And if, especially if it's powder on a man, then you tend to see more makeup, especially in, you know, there's a beard involved, you know, you get that fuzz going on in the powder. So colors like found in, in velvet, I like to actually twirl my buffer brush into all the colors at the same time and then make sure that it's well mixed and then apply this to the face and it creates this sort of like oxygenated sort of look to the face as opposed to brown on the face and it looks very healthy and I think that when you see that oxygen flowing to the face you know like you know walking outside on a spring morning or having gone to the gym and doing like a brisk walk on the treadmill like it's when you're starting to wake up the skin and that's kind of like what I'm trying to recreate when I'm using velvet as opposed to just brown. Those are all, I don't know, like 90s ideas of like bronzer on the face. You know, people were just trying to be like just darker, but darker doesn't mean it's not the same color for everybody. Every mm -hmm. skin tone is different. Powder adds another level of, you know, not so makeup, makeup. So <laughs> not so no makeup, makeup. So those are all the, the little tricks. So yes, male beauty is extremely, if you're good at male beauty, you're going to be good at uh, no makeup, makeup on women. Yes, I love that. I'm just, ooh, the flush, the natural, like, flushed look. I like that. The swirling the brush yeah. around. That's yeah, really yeah. cool. And when you said the bald heads, I had this flashback. Oh, my God. I was working Don't on tell this, me. Uh, this TV show. And, like, over 50% of the men had bald heads. I'm like, what is going on? Like, just shining, shining, shining everywhere. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're not used to being also cared for on the bald spot. So. Yes. There's that moment where as a makeup artist, you have to take control of your talent and representing yourself also, uh, be re re representing your work on camera as well. So how did you handle the situation? I just had to keep on touching up these bald heads, like just trying to keep it as mad as I could. That's all I could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably felt a little funny about it too. It's like, oh, oh, oh my bald head. You shining, you shining, man. Shining, yes, yes. You're reflecting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Okay. So, at the end of the day, Sebastian, like, what do you want your legacy to be with Veil Cosmetics? Like, what are you leaving the industry? A love of the complexion, celebrating the skin, making it look as fresh as possible. I think that where I started ten years ago and where I am now, I think that it, it's it's the same mission. I just have access to different technology now, even more skincare. And, um, and I think that also technology has evolved also when it comes to treating the skin, the treatment for skin, whether it's invasive or non-invasive, I've already really changed. And just the same way as, you know, and there's everything other, just like you have transformative makeup, you have transformative uh, plastic surgery. And you have more like the little things that are subtle, like maybe a little Botox, a little, you know, a little injectables or a little, you know, laser or this and that, just to, you know, to refresh the skin. And I, I'm, I'm kind of like right there with somebody that wants to keep the freshness of their skin as they age. You don't, you know, it's, if you want to leave it all natural, that's fantastic. And if you leave it all natural, then you probably don't like makeup either. <laughs> I mean, you know, but for me, my approach to complexion is, is to keep it looking as fresh as possible without looking like you've done a ton to it or you've done anything to it. Just the same as, for me, what I enjoy with the technology today with skin and laser and, and um, not necessarily plastic surgery 
per se, but there are a lot of novelty things that you can do to just encourage more collagen into the skin to, you know, so that you, so you can mature with a refreshed look, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to look tight. You can look refreshed and it doesn't mean that you're not looking your age, but you can look refreshed while aging as opposed to just completely letting go. And I think that my makeup approach is kind of like reflective of that. So if you take care of your skin and you're, you know, doing some laser treatments and you're doing all, you know, some things that will, you know, keep your skin looking fresh and doing some extractions, you know, once a month and you're seeing your, you know, chemical peels and microdermabrasion, you know, like those things I think are great to upkeep a certain level of, of freshness into the skin. And my vision for makeup is kind of like goes along the same way with that so that you can show off those yeah. beautiful results without masking it. Because if you're going to go that far in treating your skin and then covering up with like a very thick full mask of of foundation, then I think you're, you know, you're, you're spending your money uh, for nothing because you're mm-hmm. ruining the result that you're obtaining. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So that's my legacy. You know, like, I hope that people will uh, understand and see that, you know, Vale has, is, is your best friend when it comes to enhancing your complexion in a very healthy way without, you know, transforming. We don't want to mask your glow. We're just here to enhance it. Okay. Okay. I love that. So what is coming up next for you that you can share? I know we have products launching that we're just like, you just got to wait and see, but is there anything yeah, else yeah. that's coming up that you can share with us? Well, I, I, I'm very excited for that launch. I think it's going to make sense for a lot of people knowing my complexion obsession. So when this launches in September, you'll see how um, more obsessed I am. And mm-hmm. it's where it, it's going to be great because people will be able to finally also take their makeup level to the next level, uh, the, the makeup skills to the next level with that. And what else? I mean, I'm excited to working on new creation as well and to constantly um, do makeup on my social media where you can see how my product can really be utilized mm-hmm. so that, um, you know, I can maybe help people with their makeup skills as opposed to, you know, trying to see, because we get a lot of different, a lot of different messaging on online. And uh, what I really want to do is to, to help people understand the product without having to have a negative two cents on what they're seeing every time. You want to tell but, us about your PSA. But yeah, my public service announcement is that... <laughs> Just like you would walk into onto the street and you have like shops, you know, you don't have to enter every shop when you're seeing what they're offering, you know, like, oh, you know, look at that window and they're selling this, they're selling that. If you don't like what's on the menu of that restaurant, or if you don't like the green pair of pants that the mannequin is wearing, are you going to enter, knock on the door, enter and just say, I hate those green pants on your mannequin and close the door and run? But well, that's basically what people are doing online right now is that every time they see something while they're scrolling, Scrolling is the equivalent of walking down the street. If you see something that you don't like, keep scrolling, just like you would keep walking down the street. You don't have to throw eggs at the window. You don't have to insult the store owner with what they're selling. If it's not for you, keep walking. That's all I want to say. Keep walking. Keep walking. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Sebastian. This has been such an amazing conversation. I barely even want to let you go, but I know you got things to do. Before I let you go, though, I have to ask you the Friends of Beauty rapid fire questions. 
So whatever comes to your mind first, just spit it out. But this has been such a fulfilling conversation, just being able to chat about makeup, about your products. I just, this is just awesome. Thank you. When you have a great interview or like you, uh, it's, it makes things a lot more, uh, I don't know, interesting and, and fun to answer. So thank you. You've been fantastic to uh, spend time with Akia. I very enjoyed this. You're welcome. So I'm going to ask you these questions. So the first one, what are the top three keys to your success so far? Top three key to my success so far, my determination, my passion, and uh, collaboration. Mm. How do you measure your success? Oh, depending on the day. Sometimes it's, you know, how many sales we got at the end of the day. And sometimes it's how satisfied I am with, you know, what I'm seeing uh, with my content. Because I drive a lot of content. You know, I create all the content myself. So if I have a lot of content, I feel like I've, I've I've done my job at the end of the day. So that's fun. And, or it's a great comment on social media. Somebody that really said, I tried your product. I love it. I cannot live without it. Or it's a pro makeup part that say, oh, you know, complexion fix is a staple in my kit. You know, that's how I sort of like measure my level of accomplishment, so to speak. Okay. What's the best advice you've ever received or a piece of advice that's just always stuck with you? <sighs> well, you're only as good as your last makeup. <laughs> So keep doing makeup, <laughs> don't stop. Um, that would be one. And uh, like the other piece of advice is, you know, like if you're a creative person, nobody can take away your creativity. So keep creating. Mm -hmm. Keep creating. What advice would you give to another indie brand, indie beauty brand owner right now who is just not seeing the results that they want with their business and they're just ready to give up? Oh, been there. Um, Really sit down, look at the challenges, write them down. And there's a solution for every challenges. And sometimes you might not have money, but you might have creative people around you that are willing to help you and to give you a helping hand. And I've lost my sounding board with my business partner that's left. So I have to now be creative and find other people to help me, you know, with that creativity. So, you know, Go around and ask your friends and, and or find new consultants that complete your vision. Don't, don't surround yourself with people that do the exact same thing as you do as a business person or as a makeup artist. Surround yourself with people that will complement your vision and that way you'll achieve so much more and you will not repeat and be redundant. Yeah, I love that. What is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the friends and beauty community? Can you repeat that? Mm -hmm. What's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the friends and beauty community? A resource that's really helped me. Oh, well, I think that having been part of the business in of the beauty industry for a long time, and earlier when we first started uh, the uh, the podcast, we talked about working in retail, working in the front line. For me, I think having had that experience, it was a resource in and of itself because I was able to see the behind the scene of the beauty industry from that vintage point. And I was able to accumulate, you know, this sort of like the point of references or what things I wanted to achieve with my own brand. So being a part of that world for me was like a resource in and of itself to be able to project myself in the future and, and achieve the things I wanted to achieve as an entrepreneur. So so if you're a starting makeup artist, 
I would say, yes, go ahead, go work for a corporation. You know, it might not always be easy, but you'll learn a lot. You will mm-hmm. learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the last one, I just want you to fill in the blank and just say, my name is blank. And the key to longevity and success is whatever you think it is, Sebastian. My name is Sebastian Tardif, owner and creator of Veil Cosmetics. And uh, my key to success um, or um, recommendation would be if you are not passionate anymore, then you might have a hard time being successful. So find a passion. And if you're some, if it's something that you're passionate about, whether it's makeup, whether it's hair, whether it's, you know, uh, being a photographer, if you're passionate about it, you will find a way to make it happen. Never take no for an answer is also my other, uh, my other big recommendation. It might be a not a no for now, but it's never a no forever. So always find ways to evolve and to create and to make that no turn into a yes. Yes, this has been so great. Before you go, please share your whatever, your social media, your website, however you want people to connect with you, get these products, put them in their kits, leave recommendations. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, well, veilcosmetics.com is the website where you can find everything. We do ship from the U.S., to the U.S. and internationally, we do ship also for Canada. If you have some Canadian pod, uh, podcast listener, because for Canadian, you know, there's always the import duty that always is a problem. So we do ship from Canada, so it's like no duty, no extra charge. Um, and then we are sold on Amazon as well. We have over two thousand reviews on almost two thousand reviews on that complexion fix alone. So that's a great spot where you can get your your product. Uh, we now also have ship with Prime, and that makes you more comfortable on our website. Um, and then, and I'm I'm about to create a lot more content on TikTok because I'm collaborating now with uh, somebody new to help me get my TikTok vision together. So that's going to be exciting. So Instagram, Facebook, TikTok is where you can get more Avail Cosmetics. Yay. Thank you so much, Sebastian, for sharing with us. And I wish you much, much continued success with Bell. And we can't wait to see what this product is in September. Thank you, Queen. It was a pleasure talking to you. You're a ray of light in this gray, gloomy landscape nowadays. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Friends in Beauty podcast. Don't forget, sharing is caring. Share this episode with at least one friend in beauty and subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts so that other friends in beauty can find this show. Plus, we'd love to hear your feedback. Connect with us on all social media platforms at Friends in Beauty, hashtag Friends in Beauty to join the conversation and join our Friends in Beauty Facebook community to stay connected. Talk to you soon.